0: Dave, welcome back. Well, thank you, Cal. Great good, to be. good to be here. Podcast here. And the last time you were here, uh, of course, we, we covered a lot of what you and your ministry does, but there's going to be people tuning in for the first time. So, uh, Dave, you're the National Campaign Manager of Campaign Life Coalition. That's what's, correct. What's that all about? What do you do? Just give us a brief synopsis here. Sure, yeah. Yeah.
1: We're um, Canada's preeminent uh, pro-life, pro-family um, organization working in mainly the political realm, but also social realm, trying to um, foster a culture of life and to defend uh, the sanctity of human life from conception to natural death, defending the family, defending our, our, our f- religious freedoms. Uh, that's what we're, we're all about. And day to day, we're uh, launching petitions, talking to MPs and MPPs, Uh, We're trying to inform people, educate people on the issues. Uh, We have a lot of of available information at Mm campaignlifecoalition.com. So people can check that out if they want to see.
0: Tell us a little bit about the uh, relationship between uh, your group and LifeSite News. Yeah, um,
1: we founded LifeSite News. If if you're familiar with it, um, it uh, is basically the world's biggest pro-life news source. Mm -hmm. Um, They've just taken off, um, but they were founded by Campaign Life Coalition probably about 20-odd years ago when the internet was young. And uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's a great news source. You're going to get... A perspective that you won't hear from the mainstream
0: media on almost every issue. They, they really cover more than just pro-life. They, they cover political. They cover what's yes. happening. I've been blessed many times watching LifeSite, uh, and I didn't know there was a connection uh, between, between the ministries and how it had started and stuff, but I'm a big advocate of... Um, of alternative news sources, because mm-hmm. I find the mainstream news, uh, right now, the mainstream media and, and just all the censorship that's happening in order to find out real information, I need to go outside those boundaries. So yep. great that people and, can uh, access that. Yeah.
1: And I know for a fact, I mean, they cover things that no one will cover. Um, I mean, we had a rally in December on parliament Hill dealing with C6, which is the LC C6. Con- yeah, yeah. Conversion therapy ban. Which is like a conversion ban, right? Um, and we had a rally, no mainstream media. I mean, right. we had a hundred, hundred odd people out on Parliament Hill in the middle of winter on a windy day, yeah, in COVID, right? When no one's meeting, right. no one's doing anything, yeah. And no one was there except site. and and I think one or two. I think Epoch Times was there. There's right. a few, a, just a few of
0: these, mm-hmm. you know, non mainstream news outlets, right? And, and you know, people might think, well, it's not a big deal, well. No, that actually is a big deal because if they're not covering newsworthy events that typically would be covered, then they're framing things a certain way, aren't they?
1: Right, because you you're going to look at the issue of C6, and if you're watching CBC or CTV, yep. you're going to assume, oh, there must be no opposition. You're not seeing the rallies. You're not hearing about the petitions. You're not hearing about all the ex uh, gays, ex trans who are uh, giving their testimony, saying right. what Christ did in their life to change them. You're not hearing any of that. Mm-hmm. You're just hearing one narrative that says we must
0: ban conversion therapy right and and people i think there's they have a limited capacity right we're all we've all got stuff in our lives you got your wives and your kids and your job and all these kinds of things so you've got this leftover space in your brain that can listen to things or investigate things or you know you've got pastimes or you're going to watch tv in the evening or whatever you're going to do but you've got this limited amount of scope and so if you just default to well let me just turn on cbc then you have this perception that well, B- Bill C6 can't be that bad. Right. Then you look into it. I mean, I did a whole article on it, and it's it's just crazy. The ramifications of Bill C6 to the Christian faith in Canada is absolutely horrific. Right. Horrendous and and far reaching. Right. And and most Christians you talk to they go, Whoa, whoa, that's Bill C six. Yeah. You know.
1: And it's it's never you gotta look at things beyond the moment too because you gotta realize that when a bill comes in, you gotta think two steps down the road what mm. will be next. Right. And if we see this bill, which basically said you can't um you can't reach a LGBT type person or anyone with that ideology at all Mm -hmm. for Christ and you can't speak the the message of the Bible on gender or sexuality without going to jail for up to five years Mm -hmm. you know okay well what's the next step maybe you can't speak the message of the Bible at all (laughs) you know maybe you can't you do any evangelism to anyone
0: like well and i mean that that's just a like a logical step because right. last time when when you were in and we were discussing this you know i made the point that and i made it in my article by simply sharing the gospel with someone you're 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 giving christ's commandment to you know repent and believe so the whole concept is you share the gospel you show them what sin is the scripture describes sin in, in, in its and it's full capacity so regardless of what people are involved with what the bible describes as sin is sin and we're saying turn from your sin Hmm. well that in itself is a conversion message right and so it's you know for people who i don't know are there really christians out there today that are still going well that'll never happen in canada i i I don't know but if they are they're living under a rock somewhere with the cbc strapped onto their head in my opinion but anyway (laughs) very likely that's really not what we wanted to talk to you about uh, this time around. For those who didn't get a chance, yeah, uh, you know, just look up the last uh, the last Great Conversations podcast with David Cook. Um, what I wanted to talk to you about is your book, right? So yes. you got to get the camera is. shot. Four Pillars: Building the Church in an Age of Decline. Well, I I'm excited to dig into this because with what you do, uh, with your background, um, I imagine that's all coming out here in, in, in your book. So I just kind of want to go through what the book covers and uh, and dig into mm-hmm. it so people can have an opportunity to pick a pick a copy up. But t- tell me kind of your motivation. I mean, I've written a ton of stuff. I'm not officially an author. Um, last year when we launched The Great Conversations, no, not The Great Conversations, sorry, The Creation Basics segment I do. It's like a daily five-minute segment. I figured it out by the end of the year. I had written a novel
1: well, well, there you go, publish Seven, it. 750 <laughs> words
0: daily, you yeah. know, yeah. uh, thing, but no, they're each brief segments, but yeah, it, it's a tremendous amount of work to put a, put a book together. So you must've right. been highly motivated. Why don't you dig into that? What was your motivation by putting this together? There's lots of books yeah. out there. Why? Oh this yeah. Way?
1: Yeah. Well, uh, like I often say, we need to put our, put feet to our faith and, and this is one way to do it. Um, of course during this last uh, covid year if mm-hmm. you will uh, I, I had a little more time to to think and uh, that that also um, freed me up to uh, actually put together some of these um, things that i've said in the past sermons uh, messages uh, that have been floating around in my head <laughs> right uh, to kind of bring it all together and put it into a manuscript and format it and then put it into a book. Uh, but, you know, one of the reasons um, I wanted to write this is the very same reason I'm working at Campaign Life Coalition is, you know, I want, um, I want to get the message out there, uh, the truth. I want people to be exposed to truth. I want people to uh, know the truth, let the truth set them free. I, I want people to, um, for Christians to grow in their faith and to live out their faith. And I want them to act on their faith. Right. And, um, I don't, I, I know during this particular time, I've seen a lot of Christians, a lot of churches kind of retreat. Right. And, uh, that was one major motivation for me, um, that we shouldn't be retreating now. We mm. should be actually getting out there more, uh, whenever there's a crisis, whenever there's a time of, um. Injustice or any um, maybe pandemic,
0: the Christian should be on the forefront. Right, um, now- and in the past, historically, the church was right. Yes, right. That that that's a big difference. I don't I don't think people really understand that. But you know, people bring up things like the Spanish flu and stuff like that. Yeah, but the church was active right all throughout that that time, and Definitely. that was a real disease where if you caught it in the morning, in the evening, you were in a wooden box exactly, and it wasn't a ninety nine point. 7% recovery rate for people who got it that no. we're talking like a deadly disease yeah. that wiped out millions of people. So, right. um, the church was serving. Yeah. I yeah. think people don't realize that. Exactly. And you know, there's also a more personal motivation
1: here in writing this because, uh, the church in Canada over the the years has been in a state of decline. Right. Um, we have seen churches, uh, shrinking. We have seen them shutting down. um, we see the young people leaving. Yep. Um, All the things Answers in Genesis has been talking about for years. Exactly. And it, it seems like it's just been picking up speed lately. And this really hit home for me because just in the last two odd years, yep. three churches really dear to my heart shut down. Wow. Uh, our home church, um, Walkerton Baptist, mm-hmm. you know, it's it was our home church for, for a number of years. Right. Um, you know, my wife and I and our two kids go there and the pastor is a great guy. Uh, he's also a David, David Williams. And, um, that church, it after, I, I think it was there since like before Confederation. I mean, it's been there since early 18 or mid 1800s. Right. And, uh, in Walkerton, um, it's one of seven churches Mm -hmm. and it just shut down. Yeah. Uh, and that, that was like really tragic um but a neighboring church in the next town over in hanover where heather my wife and i got married right shut down also and then in another neighboring tech church uh next town north paisley where i pastored for a year shut down as well yeah and all within about Yeah, within two years, these three churches, all Baptist in the same denomination, same fellowship, Mm -hmm. um, shut down completely. And it's not just that. I I know personally a number of churches um, that I've seen shut down, some that I've preached in, some that I'm just aware of, just within the last few years. And I'm seeing this happen. I'm thinking,
0: what is going on? I mean, it, in a way, I know what's going on. Yeah, you've heard, you've <laughs> heard, you, you've actually had me uh, speak at, at one of the churches you pastored at. Yeah. And, you know, we're always talking about the fact that 70% of young people from Christians' homes abandon the faith by age 18. We get into that more, you know, uh, that, that book that um, uh, Answers in Genesis actually had, uh, you know, the Beamer report came out and it was, it was based on that. And now we're finding that most young people by the time they're 13, have rejected you know that think that there's a big challenge between science and the Bible and all that stuff right. you cannot continue down that road without finally experiencing what you're talking about there is there are consequences to these things so I've, I've shared this story I don't know if I've shared it with you one of our supporters um, he, he designs buildings and he was telling me the story of meeting with a pastor. And they were they were building a brand new church building, very large church. I don't know, three million dollar build or something mm. like that. And as this fellow John was going over these plans, he said he noticed that the um the, the children's area, right? The nursery, very large, you know, mm. because it was a large church that they were building. And then the the junior youth, you know, pretty pretty large. And then the senior youth was much smaller. Right, right. Location and and, and you know, square footage. And he just said to the pastor, "Like, what? What's the deal?" And the pastor just said to him, very honestly, "Oh, well, you know, by the time they get that age, there's just not that many left." Right. And and it was like a gut punch to me. And, and he looked at me, and I was like, "Isn't that incredible? Like a physical manifestation? Mm. Like you're, you're you're putting, you're designing your church for failure, for failure, yes. because you yeah. know you aren't going to re- be whatever the world's bringing against the church right now, right." Somehow you haven't figured out how to 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 you know reinforce the faith of those young people. You're feeding them to a to to a machine. I don't know if you saw that uh, that graphic on on Facebook that uh, somebody I guess that had worked for Disney put out. Perhaps I'm getting my facts wrong, but it was a it was basically this image of a young person and their face was being put into a wood chipper, Mm. and and that you know was such a such a Barbaric, but visual representation of what I think is happening to people mentally and spiritually when they're yeah. just being attacked by this atheistic, naturalistic worldview that just says life is meaningless. Right. right, right. It's the wood chipper of their mind. Yeah, it's incredible. Well, you
1: talked about uh, you know your friend who's designing this building mm-hmm. <laughs> and phys- the physical structure um, really designed for the failure that's happening. Right. Um, and and really, that's that's partly why I'm writing this book to deal with the the spiritual structure of the church, Mm -hmm. which we don't want to see the spiritual structure designed for failure. And uh, this is uh, one of the motivations I have seeing all the churches struggling and um, shutting down around me. One's dear and near to my heart, um, wanting to address the issue biblically uh, and, 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 and structurally mm-hmm. um and and try to see okay what is happening and what is um the response what what should be our response
0: yeah well that's good yeah you know i i hope people take it to heart because i've been saying for quite a while now that if if the church does not get a long-term vision and get it soon and start implementing long-term strategies within their church um, you know, it's it's the definition of insanity. Why would you expect the result to be different? Right. If, if the vast majority of Christians, and we know this to be true, because if I was to show up at a church on a Sunday morning, I wouldn't do this, of course, but if I if I was to show up on a Sunday morning and say, you know, hey, how many people here have shared the gospel with a family, or friend, or, or whatever, or just anybody, have shared the gospel with someone in the last six weeks? Hands up. Three months. <sighs> right. Six months. I mean, there won't be many. It wouldn't look like a soccer wave, like flying around a stadium. The right? Pastor probably doesn't put his hand up. The pastor wouldn't put his hand up. So yeah. if no one's sharing the gospel, how are you going to get? some oh you know, we, we we just need a renewal and revival right no one's sharing the gospel why aren't they sharing the gospel well, what, what are we you, here for <laughs> yeah i mean you, you share the gospel with somebody and you're typically going to get hit with the social issues yeah. well what do you believe about uh, same-sex marriage and what about lgbtq and and what about abortion and all these things mm-hmm. and as soon as you go to defend that and you know this because that's what your ministry is all about as soon as you go to defend that you've got to go to genesis as your foundation for mm-hmm. why well we're created in the image of god everyone's w- w- that's why you have worth and and from conception right. you're a human being and God created male and female he didn't create you know the, the, the spectrum and, and and this is why we hold to one man and one woman for life But most Christians can't defend Genesis. Yeah. What is your authority? What is your foundation? Yeah. Because they know they're going to get hit with, oh, come on. You believe Genesis? God created male and female? Like Adam and Eve? Are you kidding? We know evolution is a fact. What about the ape men? What about millions of years? How do you explain dinosaurs? All those things, radiometric dating gets dumped on top. And the fact is most Christians don't share their faith. So they just get shut down right from the beginning. Right. So Exactly. Yeah. So looking forward to dig into those uh, those four pillars that you're talking about, because, you know, in in my mind, three things need to happen. Churches need to get apologetic training. Mm -hmm. Most Christians can't defend their faith properly. You need evangelism training. Most Christians don't even know how to share the gospel. And you need a counter to what the public education is putting out there. So you need an education platform. That's why I I love the answers in Genesis ministry. Yep. It's what we deal with. We've actually got an evangelism curriculum now, you know, right. my good friend, Corey McKenna, he's actually put together, uh, you know, formatted his, his evangelism curriculum uh, based off of Ken's last book, Gospel Reset. So it's mm-hmm. Gospel Reset Evangelism curriculum. You've got the apologetics. And then of course, you've got the great education, uh, you know, uh, curriculums that we have and stuff like that. So pretty excited about that. But anyway, dig into, uh, what, what the focus of the book is, David. Yeah.
1: Um, you know, Jesus said in, in Matthew 16, 18, he said, I will build my church Mm. and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Yet we see churches closing, shutting Mm. down. Uh, we see the weakness of the church in the, in the face of crisis. Right. Um, so what, what's going on here? because this is a rock solid promise, you know, he yep. will build it. He's been building it for 2000 plus years. Um, he promises to build it. He's not going to fail. He's not going to stop. Yep. Um, so how do we see that happening today? And, and how, how can that, how can we see this gospel reset? <laughs> People talk about a great reset. We need gospel reset. Exactly. I, totally. um, so I thought, you know, I want to look back to the book of acts mm-hmm. because in the book of acts that's where the new testament church began right where it it grew it flourished and uh so i wanted to go there and i wanted to step back i like one of the things that kind of irks me um i don't know there are a lot of church gurus out there church growth gurus right you know and they will have all kinds of ideas for how to grow your church and you do xyz and it's going to grow You know, you bring in you know the 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 rock music, you bring in PowerPoint or whatever, and you're gonna grow. And it's usually kind of superficial, some little change on the surface. Yeah, and short term stuff. Exactly. And and I didn't want to write uh, that type of a book (laughs) where, you know, it's a how to do this and you're gonna succeed. I wanted to have this be grounded. So I went to the Book of Acts, Mm -hmm. and um, I looked there at what. The church experience because we have a group of 120 believers in a room, and on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 are added, Mm -hmm. and then thousands more, and then in 300 years it takes over the Roman Empire. Basically, (laughs) yeah. You know, I brought this little thing, little model along. I visited Rome a few years ago. Here's the Colosseum. Okay, so how do you go from that, you know, Christians thrown to the lions as blood sport for entertainment purposes? Um, you know, Christians tarred, put on a post, lit on fire for Caesar Nero to light his garden at night. How do you go from that to, to, to the dominant worldview, dominant worldview, taking over the empire without violence, mm-hmm. without any type of insurrection? Um, so the book of Acts, is, that's where it begins. So I, I wanted to go there. I wanted to look at what happened. I mean, the author, Luke, who wrote the book, you know, he wrote it as more like an observer, you know, he's observing. It's not really a prescriptive book. It's a descriptive book. It's mm-hmm. saying what happened. And that's kind of how I wanted to 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 look at things, to step back, observe the early church, see
0: what happened and help people to see it today. Right. So a comparison and do you kind of go into, I mean, you're so familiar with the Angels and Genesis ministry and, you know, Ken, Ken's book, actually Gospel Reset, was kind of a... Um, a newer reiteration of one of his older books, Why Won't They Listen? Have you read that book? I've heard of it. I haven't read it all. So Gospel Reset, you know, makes that whole comparison between Acts 2, the day of Pentecost, as you mentioned, to Acts 17, and how, you know, in Acts 2, you see Peter, of course, and not exactly um, described as the most eloquent, or or you know, we wouldn't consider him this sharp apologist. He's the fisherman. Yeah. Cut to, uh, you know, Paul, the apostle Paul, who obviously you know he's he is the the intellectual of the New Testament. Obviously, um, taught by Gamaliel himself, and, mm-hmm. and and so on. Right, and and that comparison between okay, Peter preaches and three thousand get converted. The first time we hear about Paul, you know, uh, talking to the Epicureans and the Greeks. What's this babbler talking about? Right. Well, they were saying the same message, Christ crucified, right? And then so Paul goes up to the Areopagus and he changes and says, well, in the beginning, you know, he, uh, the God the God who created the heavens and the earth, he actually starts in Genesis. Right. He created the first man, Adam, and he walks yeah. all the way through. And of course, some people criticize it because they say, well, see, you shouldn't do that. You should do what Peter did. He just mm. pro- spoke Christ crucified. But, well, here's what, what Paul did. That's what we see recorded. But now he starts right at creation, goes all the way through, because he understands that the Greeks didn't have the foundation right. for the gospel. Um, and and uh, he had to put that foundation there. And that look, right. look at the world we're living in today. Exactly, it's Greek world. Yeah, you even said, actually last time we chatted, that you grew up, considered yourself a Christian. Mm-hmm. But you had a very, very shallow understanding very, of what, what, yes. what, you know, the Bible said, oh, Jesus died for my sins. Like that was kind of it. You went to university. Bang, that got blown away. And yep. then when you really got converted and, and dug into the faith and now you've answers for your faith and stuff like that, it's a little bit different. Mm-hmm. I find there's a lot of surfacey Christians out there. Oh, definitely. So, yeah.
1: And and I think that's part of the problem uh, when you're just surface. Um, it Not only you're not giving answers to your own children, your own family, your church is not growing, but the outside world is looking at you and they, they don't really have any reason to come in. They're like you're not explaining, um, you know, you're not offering any explanation for the issues of the day and what's happening and why. And, and there's, there's really nothing solid that you're representing right. to
0: the outside world. You look very much like it. If your divorce rate's the same as the the world's divorce rate and, yep. and, and there's just nothing different about no. it, that you don't see the fruit of, of, of a, a Christian life. Right. right. So, Okay, so you dig into the book of Acts, yeah. and what was kind of your discovery? Yeah, that that the, the, the thing that did something hit you? Did you take away something differently? I'm, I'm sure you've read it before. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. No, I mean,
1: really it's something I, I, I've known, but, you know, it does hit you. The fact of the matter is when you read the book of Acts, you realize it is Christ who builds his church, mm-hmm. okay? He is the master architect and and builder. Uh, He's the one who has the plan and the blueprints. He provides the tools and the building supplies. And, and it just hits you, this is his project. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it's not, it's not our job. So that means that, you know, if, if we want to see this church that Christ is building grow, we have to do it his way we have to get out of the really we have to get out of the way and get on his Holy Spirit's construction crew um, using his tools his wisdom his plan um, which we have from Genesis to Revelation laid out Mm -hmm. Um, and we have to not be trying to innovate and do things a different way or or follow the world or whatever Uh, you know any other number of ways we need to look at his way and that's how the church grew in Acts. You can see it was the Holy Spirit's work. You know, the the message was brought uh, in a relevant way. It was brought in a way that uh, addressed the particular, like you say, crowd that was listening. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and as the message was brought, God worked. And as people were faithful, the church was built. Um, it's like the church um is like a, a temple a great temple if you think of a structure you think of like the the ancient temple Solomon's temple yep uh, this is huge structure uh it has a foundation uh ultimately Christ his word um it's built up he's building Christ is building it there's an entryway a doorway in. And we know that doorway is through repentance and faith as people hear the gospel message. Christ himself is the door. Right. right. But how is that building um, supported, stabilized, upheld? Um, and this is where I'm talking about four pillars. Mm. That's, that's really where, where we're going here. And we see that in the book of Acts. We see um, what Christ has put in place to, to stabilize the structure to support it and to help it as he's continuing to grow it as he's continuing to build on that that
0: structure and make it bigger and and more encompassing. Well, you're, you're preaching to the choir here, brother, because, uh, obviously as you know, answers in Genesis, we're constantly talking about foundations, right? You know, Genesis, the seedbed of all Christian doctrines. And if you don't have your foundation, and we, you know, you'll often see us use those illustrations of how are you going to build a building? You don't, you don't start with a roof and then make some some walls and then stick a foundation no. underneath it. You start a foundation and then you build your structure up from there. And, You know, I I just think that too many Christians have not kind of gone down to the basement every now and then. I mean, (laughs) you know, most of us have a home, if you know, uh, of our age. And, uh, you know, every now and then you kind of got to go, hmm, let's go downstairs. Let's see if there's any cracks. Let's see if there's any leaking. Let's see if something's not quite working right." right. Because if it goes... The right. whole thing goes.
1: I think some people think ignorance is bliss. We don't <laughs> want to go there. And then I think some people think, you know, we need to clear out some more room here. There's not enough room. So let's just take down some of these pillars. They're not that important. Right. And let's open saw through up. this beam here. <laughs> and it's not yeah. like it's holding no anything up. Yeah, it's yeah. in the way.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Someone told me to do that. I should do that, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I hear a lot of young people going to Christian, you know, uh, seminary. And I've had them come back and say, "Well, you know, uh, my my Old Testament prof he he says Genesis isn't a big deal, you know." And I'm like, "What do you what are you talking about?" Well, he says you can believe in God, God used evolution or God used millions of years. It's it's not a big deal. And I'm like, "What are you talking about? Look at the, look at how yeah, but you know he's an Old Testament uh, theologian. He he loves God. He's a, he's a godly man, and he you know he, he prays with me, and he's hmm. such a gr- well, that's nice, but he's giving you false information, right?" Because Jesus quotes Genesis as verbatim, as plainly written, mm. Exodus twenty eleven. for in six days, the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and all that's in them. You can have the nicest, most well-meaning person out there telling right. you that you don't need to have that foundation, but you need that. So yes. the con- that concept, you- you're only going to build pillars off of that. Tell us about those four pi- four pillars.
1: Yeah, uh, well, my hinge verse really is Acts 2, 42, um, where we see you know the early church just just starting to grow, okay, after right. Peter's sermon. Um, and we see that this, this this body that's just, you know, 3,000 have just been added. Mm-hmm. Um, what is life like for them? What, what are they doing? What's day in, day out life? And we see here, it says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. And we see those four elements. This was... Their life, this was their um, existence as the church. And really, uh, this is where I take the, the, the term pillars from each one of these elements as mm-hmm. being a, a pillar that is absolutely vital for the church to be stable, strong, growing, so that the doorway can be kept open and free and clear for more to come in. These four pillars are essential. Right. So, doctrine, mm-hmm. fellowship, meeting, breaking of bread. And prayer, right, right, yes, and and each one of these is is vital and distinctive, and and um, I think too often we don't even think about these. Mm. I I hate to say it. We we maybe uh, I mean as an evangelical, you know, evangelical churches, we often are talking about doctrine, you know, um, but sometimes we can miss some of the other ones. But even talking about doctrine often we're very narrowly focused when we're talking about doctrine. Right. We're just talking about certain doctrines that we like mm-hmm. and <laughs> that that we think are important. Right. But here, you know, that first pillar which I think stands as firstly impo- of first most importance is is the apostles' doctrine and we're talking about the the doctrines of the Bible. Right. We're talking about the the word of God from Genesis to Revelation 66 books. We're talking all those doctrines that flow through the Bible from beginning to end,, yep. which are as as answers in Genesis does so well in presenting,
0: are rooted in Genesis. That's right. Yeah, it's precept upon precept. So you've got a right. good creation, marred by sin. you've got you know, the, the historical account of, of, of what happens when a world is, in sin, and what happens when sinful men are in control, etc. You've got, you know, the birth of Christ, you've got his sacrificial payment on the cross so that people can be saved uh, because of what he did, and then you've got a restoration and a, a renewal uh, that That's the all-encompassing message of yep. Scripture. And so when you come along and you say, oh, well, you know, instead of this good creation here, we're going to stick in evolution of millions of years as that's how God created. Well, you've just changed doctrine from beginning to end. Because if you're saying that God used billions of years of death and suffering and cancer and disease to create, called that very good, mm. Then Adam comes in on the scene, and then he sins, and that's when sin and death entered in the world? The wages of sin is death? Well, no, there's been death for billions of years prior to that. By the way, what's the restoration going to be like when God restores it to the way it was in the beginning, where there was billions of years of death, suffering, cancer, and disease? Are we going to even know the difference? Right. Did Jesus know what he was talking about in the New Testament? I mean, you you confessed the last time we chatted that when you went to university, you got your Christian, you know, your quasi or soft Christian world you crushed
1: yes yes
0: all of those things come to bear when when we mess with doctrine like right, that right right so you shatter that pillar mm-hmm. um you know there's a reason why chairs have four legs right exactly and, and
1: it's not for us to decide what the doctrine is or right. what's important mm-hmm. it's for the bible to decide it, it's it's for what Christ has given us here in his word and he has laid it out, and and uh, you know we see it in how you know, Peter presented the gospel to his Jewish hearers, how Paul presented it to the Gentile hearers. Yep. It, 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 there there is a very clear need for the whole Word of God from beginning to end, right? With the grounding in Genesis, uh, and we can't leave things out. We can't we can't just you know if something is awkward or inconvenient or We're afraid of what people are going to think. Well, I'm sorry, but Christ has put, that's part of his plan. It's Mm -hmm. here. You know, we have the blueprint. You know, this is a pillar. So we need
0: to have that pillar in place. Absolutely. Now I'm going to bring something up and we didn't talk about this beforehand, but I think it's so important for people to hear. I've had so many times over the years when you're talking about biblical creation and why that's so important as the foundation like as genesis is plainly written that's the way i would say it and they would say things like yeah but come on cal you know there are godly christians who hold to different beliefs about certain doctrine right baptisms soteriology um end times and, and and they hold to different views and there's godly christians and they hold to different you know ideas about creation gap theory day age theory theistic evolution you know you name it so really it's not that big a deal and the one thing i remind them over and over again look if we were to have a whole group of pastors sitting around here now, right? You, you pastored for a while. And you've got your Baptist and you've got your Pentecostal and you've got your, you know, CRC and you've got whatever, mm-hmm. right? And everything's fine for the first 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and then each one of those uh, denominational, uh, you know, positions, like the, everybody's got certain, you know, positions right. you could bring. And they started to bring those forth. What each one of those men would do is open up their Bible and point to Bible verses and say, yeah, but this is why we hold to this. And right. Somebody would say, yeah, but have you considered this verse? Oh, well, what about this? What, and Bible, 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 right? Right. What we deal with in Answers in Genesis is Christians who go, yeah, but my, my uh, you know geology professor told me that you're billions of years old, and radiometric dating proves that, mm-hmm. and evolution is a fact – they start quoting a completely different authority because you don't find those ideas in the Bible. No. So it is not the same thing. No, it isn't. The other thing I would like to bring up and and remind my brothers and sisters, and I try to do it as often as possible, is if you do have a dispute with your brother or sister about doctrine, it's probably best not to have a three-hour diatribe on Facebook in front of the world... (laughs) you ever see this? Oh yeah, it, it just drives me nuts yes. you, you can see these it, I, know. I call them Christian trolls because they, they just take this this you know they'll they'll write some kind of inflammatory thing that props up whatever doctrine they're trying to and they just fling it out there knowing full well that somebody is going to take the bait mm-hmm. and then you just see and I'm like so you you that that whole thread had to take at least two hours right now you got two hours to do that but you gonna have two hours to go witness to somebody? You're willing to engage with a fellow Christian, and oftentimes, and we've seen this too, much mm. to the detriment of, of of the church, that they are very, very volatile, right. they're very angry, they're very um, dismissive, and just, you know, it, it's that it's that hole, you're driving down the 401, and the guy next to you, you know, for whatever reason, you cut them off or something, and they're giving you all sorts of hand signals and right. stuff like that, and you pull into the gas station, and both of you get out of the car at the same time. <sighs> It's a little less volatile isn't it when yes. it's face to face oh for sure because you've got a person there and now you got to be accountable but you hide behind those keyboards and so I would just encourage people if you do have a dispute in the sense that you believe this or you believe that why don't you have a cordial conversation and, right. and sit down and like brothers and sisters in Christ and look at the scripture together and pray together and say agree to disagree if you yeah. have to but don't be doing this stuff it's it's yeah. it's, it's not yeah, good we need to go go to the scripture together That's absolutely. The key. And and even if you don't agree at the end of it, well, yeah, just pray and and you know if if you think they're wrong in what they believe, well, ask the Lord to help them. Yeah, <laughs> right. That's His business. Yeah, know? exactly. So, not yeah. not yours in a sense. So. Yeah. Okay. Uh, continue on with these four pillars. Yeah. Um,
1: the second pillar, fellowship, and this is interesting. Um, I remember one church, and I write about this a little bit, where uh, they just love fellowship. They said we we just Oh, we gotta have another fellowship time. They loved it. And they they'd want a fellowship every sun every Sunday after service. Yep. But what they really meant was, oh, I want Mrs. So and so to bake one of her pies. She's got <laughs> the best pies. You know, these country ladies with their pies. Yeah, and yeah. uh, you know, so and so he's gonna be on the barbecue. Right. It's right. gonna be awesome. And it's just food, you know. Yeah. And uh and, or some people will say, well, you know, we'll, we'll do some talking, we'll talk, and that's fellowship. And maybe we'll throw in some, you know, church talk, some christian something, and that kind of sprinkles it in. It's okay then, and that's fellowship. Yeah. And we see that, I don't know how many churches I've seen that in, oh, yeah. where that's called fellowship. Right
0: it's like evangelism is where you have an annual church barbecue and you tell everybody to invite their family and friends out to the church barbecue. And then the pastor's going to give a five minute mini sermon on the gospel. And that's their evangelistic outreach right. every year. Yes.
1: Yeah. And they've done their duty. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: Check that out.
1: <laughs> right. But when we look in the book of Acts, that is not what we see mm. a fellowship, which is rooted in, in the word, like in the, in the Greek, uh, it's rooted in koiné, like communion, sharing, it's it's at such a deep level, sharing your life, sacrificing, um, just loving in a deep way, beyond the bonds of family, beyond blood bonds. We're talking about um, how you carry each other and help each other and walk with each other in good and bad times, um, suffering, sorrow, joy. Mm. Um, that is what we see. And I just... Wonder where that is in the, in, right. in many churches today, where we have um, gotten this idea of churches more transactional. I go in, I get my message. It's kind of a feel-good message, you know. Gives me a little bit of a boost to my ego or whatever to my spirits, and then I'm off for the rest of the week doing my own thing. Right. Um, but this pillar of fellowship it challenges us because it's. As we look at the book of Acts, we look at the church. You know, Barnabas—he's like selling, you know, land and 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 helping his fellow brothers and sisters in need. He didn't have to do that, yep. you know, but he did. And um, we we see people coming to the need of of total strangers in other countries. You know, the the believers in in the Grecian world. You know, sending funds over. You know, hundreds of miles to yep. the Jerusalem believers who are struggling through. Yeah, they didn't famine. just send an e-transfer. There no was a bit of we- effort required there. Huh? Yeah, there's a, th- this whole dimension, and and I, I think you can do a GoFundMe for <laughs> whatever. <laughs> no, and I, I this in particular during this time of COVID, it just hits me. You know, we're all told to to be separate and stay away from each other, mm. and close the churches. And okay, there's you know. We can be on on uh, Zoom or whatever, yeah. But the fellowship, the the fellowship, where is that? Yeah. And how much we need it? We see the suicide rates going up. We see, see the mental health unemployment. Rates. We yep. see people just not knowing what to do. We see fear, mm-hmm. and fellowship is one of the best counteractives to all this. Absolutely, you know, as people are walking with each other together literally not just that's right yeah know, virtually no.
0: <laughs> i saw this facebook meme it was funny it was comparing <laughs> zoom calls to like a seance you know there's four <laughs> people sitting around and then one is that you mary is that your voice? <laughs> I mean, it's just, and it, it just struck me. It was yeah. funny, but it was kind of heartbreaking. So it's yeah. like, yeah, like you're not actually seeing that. You're not with somebody and emoting and looking at their face and, and all that type of thing. So no. yeah, you're talking about a fellowship that goes beyond just that show up and blow up, yeah. uh, you know, after church. Hey Dave, how you doing? All, yeah. How's the family doing? Good, blah, blah. And you I, just, I'm
1: not saying that churches were doing this right before COVID. <laughs> I don't think they were. Yeah. And I, I just, I think the
0: COVID has maybe highlighted that fact. Right. Well, I've said that since day one. This has just highlighted, and I'm not church bashing because the whole purpose of the ministry is to build up the, the, the Christian church, but the fact is that this whole situation, I believe, has revealed some some troubling things in Christendom in the West mm-hmm. that they're just more exposed now because right. it's more vulnerable and yeah. anybody that's, you know, any situation is going to do that. So, yeah, you know. I mean,
1: we've been seeing these things develop for years. Exactly. So it's just coming out more. Yep. So. Yeah, the other, uh, the third pillar, yep. bre- the breaking of bread, which be- I believe speaks of the Lord's Supper, the Lord's Table. So that is the barbecue. Yes. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> no, no, I'm and, sure you and, and that's that the, you know, that that is... um even that element, uh, I mean, most churches observe the Lord's Supper. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's more difficult in COVID times, but uh, I wonder if we understand what that is all about. And I relate a story from the book of Acts. Actually, there are a few different stories I relate in that chapter, but the one in particular that always stood out to me whenever I read it was the story of Eutychus and Troas, right? which is actually if you think of it totally hilarious okay because <laughs> this young young guy who's listening to the message listen paul's speaking yep. he's 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 they're up on the third floor okay of this it's obviously a big big house and they're up in the third floor they're listening to paul speak and they're in this this room the candles are burning yep. it's getting late the smoke's probably filling the room this guy typical teenage boy right he's maybe not fully with it there yeah and And the smoke and he's kind of drifting off. He's sitting in in one of the windows, you know, probably getting some fresh, trying to get some fresh air. Yeah. Falls asleep, falls out the window, (laughs) lands three stories down on the ground, dead. Yeah. Okay. So it kind of interrupts the service a little bit. (laughs) So what happens? Paul goes down. Uh, It's a miracle. Yeah. Raises him from the dead. And then what happens? Paul goes back up celebrates the Lord's supper and goes on preaching till morning. Yeah, And it's like, you might read that, you know, in your daily devotions, not think much of what, but think about that. The guy died. There's this great miracle. He's risen from raised from the dead, this boy, and they celebrate the Lord's supper Mm. and they go on in teaching and preaching. It's like, wow, what, what is that? <laughs> you the, know, de, would not we... Not your everyday occurrence. No, thankfully. But, you know, h- how do we look at the Lord's Supper? How do we look at this opportunity to dine with Jesus, to uh, experience his grace and his presence in a special way? And and uh, again, the teaching ministry, uh, how important is that
0: to us? Um, you, you know what really hits me is, you know, like you said, just picture that. It's like I, I picture that... So many people, it would all be focused on Paul, then, wouldn't it? Right. Like, look what he just did. He just, you know, and no, maybe focused no. on, well, what, what, what did you feel or what did you experience when you were dead, or it, it'd all be like, yeah, man centered in a sense. And yes, Paul's just like, uh no, we're gonna go celebrate the Lord's Supper because yes. none of this means anything without Jesus. Right. This
1: is all from Him and for Him. Yeah. You know, and through Him. This is the, all about Him.
0: The Lord's Supper signifies the fact that He died. Yeah. in our place.
1: Points to the cross and to his work. Yep. And the reason why we need his work because okay. of this world we live in that's full of death and sin. And, mm-hmm. and uh, again, rooted in Genesis, we can go back there. But it's interesting that that is what Paul did masterfully, again, bringing people to the central theme, which is Christ. Yeah, Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And then my last pillar is the pillar of prayers, mm. which I devote two chapters to, because I feel this is often neglected. I mean, right. in most churches, what is the first service that is either, you know, uh, well, the, the least attended service in the church is usually the prayer meeting. Right. The first one to be canceled for any reason or for no reason at all is usually the midweek prayer meeting. Right. And and yet this is specified here as, as being a pillar. Mm. Prayer, Here here is our phone line to God, um, our, our way to communicate to him and and uh, and it's not just you know a certain you know way of praying. It's it says prayers in the plural. It, it's talking about every all kinds of ways of, of talking to God and bringing things to Him. Thanksgiving, praise, supplication, um, praying alone, praying together with your belie- fellow believers, uh, praying in in the service, praying at home with your family. I mean, we're talking prayer in its broadest scope here, yep. and uh, it's it's really vital. And I remember, um, I don't know if you remember, but I remember uh, a creation talk that you gave okay. in Hanover, right. uh, Ontario, mm-hmm. in a little Lutheran church. And right. I don't know when this was, but it was <laughs> probably about 16 or 17 years ago. I don't right, know. Right. But I'll always remember that because um, in that talk, you were talking about, or at least part of your conversation was how society... Um, has been kind of going downhill, um, the the morals of society and, and um, the values and, um, and how the crime has increased and how school dropouts, uh, teen pregnancy, all these different factors. Um, And you showed some statistics from that. And um, of course you were, you're mentioning how, uh, because a lot of this is, you know, we're, we're, we're not uh, taking care to build the foundations uh, in our churches and but one of the things you mentioned uh, as you're looking at these statistics was uh, you can tie it to a very specific event in this in in American statistics right uh, when they basically said that prayer uh, was to be banned to get rid of in, prayer in, in the schools, schools. Yep. so well, I remember you couldn't that series, pray yeah yeah, yeah and uh, that really stuck with me because you can see like concrete, real facts,
0: this had uh, an effect in society. Yeah, I, I think I even have a copy of those old slides, but they were statistics yep. uh, taken from the US and you could see those very dramatic increases in right. all of those negative effects as soon as prayer was removed, because your coverings removed, right? You're not even acknowledging the creator, you know, and so prayers removed. Obviously, the authority of the word of God was removed because it's like, well, the Bible commands us to pray, but we don't really believe in the authority of God's word anymore. So now we're just going to take that away. Well, right? You've you've given up your covering. So exactly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So
0: those are the four pillars,
1: and uh, you know, I, I they've been put there for our benefit. They're a part of Christ's building plan. Mm-hmm. Um, they're necessary. Um, it's not something that we put together in our own way. We, we follow him in his design. Yep,
0: And, uh, that's really what my book's about. It's it's not. And I mean, Dave, you've always seemed like a pretty practical guy. This isn't going to be like super heavy reading, a lot of deep theological terms, or I don't know, you tell me.
1: Yeah, no, no. I mean, it's, you can see it's about a hundred pages. It's not heavy. Uh, I wrote it for the average Christian. I think pastors can benefit from it. I mean, as someone who's been in pastoral ministry, Um, I'm thinking the pastors, but I I wrote it for the average person. um, And uh, I put in some interesting things that I think – People can enjoy, you know. It's I put in some stories from my own ministry experiences in small town Ontario. you know, it's a it's a fun thing to experience life in small town Ontario. It's relatable, right? It's It's great. Um, and I put in some statistics, uh, including some prayer statistics and some other things too. Um, uh, Ministries uh, does some theological analysis like every year, so I put in some of their statistics too. Uh, to show what's happening and and why these pillars are important and why they make a difference right Um, so. Well, that's great. And um, where do people pick it up? Well, uh, they can get it on Amazon. Haven't yep. been banned yet, thankfully. <laughs> uh, so, Amazon.ca. Uh, Four Pillars: Building the Church in an Age of Decline. Um, they can go to the website BaptistHouse.org, okay. uh, which is what we use as the publisher for this. Oh, great! Yeah. And do you have like an ebook available yep. as well? Yeah. You, you can get it um, as an ebook for your
0: Kindle, um, or of course, a hard copy. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Does the ebook have like? Is there an audio version or anything not, like yet. That? not yet? Not yet. Not okay. yet. Yeah, I'd encourage you to do that. So many. I mean, I know myself. You know, you get so busy. But when I'm working around the house or doing some painting or exercising, I'll, I'll throw throw some audio on and listen to it because yeah. I love to do that. Yeah, but I do the same. So I, sure. I once I find a book that I really like, though, I like to actually have the physical copy and yeah. then i'm making notes and all that good stuff so anyway maybe you can gift me one of those <laughs> <laughs> no problem i brought one for you today <laughs> thanks brother well that's great oh one more time uh just give the shout out to your website for yes. your ministry website yeah baptisthouse.org right actually i meant um i meant your ministries uh oh yes. website for uh, Campaign Life coalition
1: yep so for campaign life coalition Campaignlifecoalition.com it's pretty and simple. Uh, sign okay. up for our newsletter and we'll get you uh, informed and
0: engaged. That would be great. I think it's so important the way you, ha- you have information laid out because people have a limited amount of time. This is a place they can go, they can look up specific things, bite-sized chunks and yeah. uh, and get informed. I think that's what we need to do. So, thanks again, brother. We'll have you back. See you later. Thank you, my pleasure. Bye. Bye.